Hello, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome back to another episode here on the podcast where we're going to be talking about how a 10-year Android user decided to give iOS a shot. And we're going to talk about the transitions that this Android user had to go through the experience 24 hours after purchasing an iPhone. Now, keep in mind the iPhone is not the latest iPhone out. So it's not an 11, an 11 Pro, or the Pro Max. It's not a 10s. It's not a 10. As a matter of fact, it's not even a 7. This Android user purchased the iPhone 6s. As I heard many good things about the iPhone 6s from longtime iOS iPhone users. Opted for the iPhone 6s. 24 hours. Let's find out what the person thought of in the last 24 hours of using the phone. And so as I stated, a 10-year long-time Android user just recently tried iOS with an iPhone 6S. S, I guess, stands for speed. But, however, let me tell you guys who this Android user is. (laughs) And that Android user would be me. Seriously, when it came to YouTube, I was one of the last content creators on YouTube. Within my group, I'm not going to say within the entire YouTube, but within my group of collected colleagues, I was the last one that had never purchased, picked up, or used an iPhone of any sorts. But in order to consider myself to be a well-rounded tech enthusiast, would mean that I would have to, at some point, use this iPhone. And I went ahead and got one. I got one at a fairly decent price. I used OfferUp to purchase one. And the user, you know, was pretty fair about it, as the display has a couple of cracks in it, but nothing that becomes a hindrance to using the device. And so they sold it for a very good price. As if you go on OfferUp or any other place to buy an iPhone 6S, you'll see that people are still selling them for about 160, 180, 200 bucks, depending on the storage variant. But this iPhone 6S, I was able to snag for a cool 50 bucks. So that's actually pretty cool. I thought I got a pretty good deal on it. The display I can always fix later on in the year. I can take it to a repair shop, a certified Apple repair shop, and have the display fixed therefore it will look immaculate once i have restoration done to it but let me tell you guys of what my first experience is becoming an ios user for the first time which means having to set up an apple id and all that stuff and let me just tell you guys this like most of you guys know i've used android for a long time i love my pixel devices okay some of you guys are definitely going to think that this is coming from a biased standpoint and maybe it is maybe it isn't you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call bs anybody i'm gonna tell you guys straight up but um whatever you think understand this is my opinion okay this is my thoughts my opinions Um, And so, yeah. But before we go forward, I do want to make sure that you guys had a great happy Thanksgiving. It is pretty loud in my place right now. Uh, The kids are having fun. Family uh, stopped by and, you know, it was was, was a pretty good good meal, I have to say. 
And um, I really enjoyed it. So hopefully you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving dinner too. And if you're camping out there for Black Friday sales at your favorite spot where they're going to have some pretty good deals, hopefully you're safe. Hopefully you are warm. Um, I wouldn't want anyone to get sick, you know, just trying to chase down Black Friday deals. But let's get on with the uh, first 24 hours of using an iPhone. Let me tell you guys, it's a pain in the butt to set this thing up. Okay, compared to Android... It is a pain in the butt. Now, you can set up an Android device for the first time, setting up a Google account for the first time, and pretty much nail this thing out within maybe like 15 minutes if you're just an average average user, average consumer who doesn't have any, you know, too too much of, you know, being familiar with Android. If you don't have if you're not familiar with Android basically, then yeah, about 15 minutes it'll take you to set up a Google account, set up a password, you know, pretty much get everything set up, get up, uh, get um, Google Assistant set up and all this other good stuff. About 15 minutes. With the iPhone and iOS, um, I'm not going to count the time that it took that I had to update it from iOS 11 straight up to iOS 13.2.3, I believe it was. Um, you know, or I think it's like iOS 13.3.2.3, something like that. Um, but anyhow... Not counting the time that it took me to update that. Just setting up an Apple account and going through the paces of setting that up and the App Store and all that stuff. Setting up Apple Pay. Like, those things really just kind of, like, knocked me for a loop. It took a while. It took about 32, almost 33 minutes to do that. So double the time it took. it would take me to actually set up a brand new Android device with a brand new Google account if I chose to not use any of my original Google accounts. It double the time. And I get it. There's a lot of security behind iOS. iOS uh, main main thing here is security, you know, even though they're not always so secure. But that was their main point was to be secure. And um, yeah, so setting up an Apple ID you know, having to to plug in, um, you know, my email address that I'm going to purposely be using for the Apple ID account, which is my Gmail, and then creating a password. That was no problem. But then, you know, like like going through the paces of the setup just became uh, a little aggravating after I seen how long this was going to take. Um, as soon as I set up my Apple ID account and uh, I had to go into my Gmail and verify and... Um, after going to my Gmail and verified, and I had to go uh, when I went to, when I tried to go to the App Store right after that to download apps that I use, and then it wanted me to verify my Apple ID, and it was so painful to do that because after I would plug in my Apple ID password, and then it would tell me that I'm already verified. So then when I try to download an app, then it would tell me that my Apple ID has not been verified, or my email used from my Apple ID had not been verified, and you know. Maybe, okay, I, granted, I was going through some hiccups. Not everyone goes through those things, right? But, you know, after working with Sprint for a while and listening to customers complain about certain things and then noticing that the device that they have using is an iPhone, I kind of now understand the frustrations, uh, seeing it for myself, being able to hold a device that runs iOS. Now, going further from there, after having basically created my Apple ID account, which took me about half an hour, including setting up um, the App Store, one of my biggest gripes about the App Store is gaining access to it and being able to download applications. I, I had to plug in my debit card info. 
And so what if I was trying the iPhone for the first time and I wasn't too sure if I was going to stick with it? You know, I couldn't just download applications from the App Store, literally, unless I put in my debit card info. I mean, it was just right there full front on your face. If there's a way to get around it without plugging in your debit card info, it did not make that an option easily to be found. So that is a bit of a frustration because, you know, I, I just maybe I don't want to share my debit card information, you know. The one thing I did like about it, though, is that it did give you the option to choose PayPal as your payment method. But maybe I don't want PayPal connected to it. Maybe, you know, for a first-time user, and I'm looking from a consumer standpoint and not from a techie standpoint, but maybe I, maybe I get an application in my little trial method with iOS and an iPhone, and maybe that has a monthly subscription that's reoccurring, right? And so the person decides the iPhone's not for them. They wipe the phone. They give it back to the store, trade in for something else. But that subscription is going to hit their PayPal, and their PayPal is connected to their debit card or their bank you know, institution, and then so it's going to charge that money out of there. So, I mean, again, you know, it should be an option because if we don't have a debit card listed for the App Store, then there's no way we can make any type of app purchases. So that means only the free apps you would be able to download, but not the paid purchase apps which I would be okay with because if I don't want to buy any applications that cost money, then I should still be able to try out the experience of iOS, the experience of having an iPhone without needing to link my banking information straight out. So I kind of frowned upon that a little bit. Um, as compared to Android, you don't have to plug that information in at all. You can skip past that when it's asking you to set up GPay. You can skip past that. You don't have to add a debit card right away. So, um, a little, yeah, I can see where, you know, some people that have used iOS for so long kind of say that it's very locked down and very strict and, you know, very in your face. It's, it feels that way. iOS feels like it's in your face. Um, which, you know, definitely is going to be reiterated tomorrow on the YouTube channel. So if you guys haven't followed me on the YouTube channel, you guys can go to youtube.com forward slash Tito Escobar and you guys can follow me on the channel called Aloha Android. You know, it's Aloha Android when you see my Snapchat bit emoji uh, as my um, user icon or, you know, a profile pic, whatever you want to call it on YouTube. But anyways, I'm going to talk about it there tomorrow too. But yeah, it's very, it's very full front in your face. So um, getting past that, just the experience of iOS um, uh, I gotta say that iOS is really not all that different from Android. It's really not. And so, again, the experience using iOS compared to Android, um, you would think that there would be a, a drastic difference. Now, let me just kind of pinpoint this. If you're using a mid-range Android device or a budget, uh, low-powered Android device, then yes, you will feel a huge significant difference between them as far as user experience. But using a flagship device, say, for instance, like what well, I'm using a Pixel 3, which is vanilla stock Android. It is Google's um, flagship device to showcase the operating system or software of Android. And um, the experience between the two is not so different. Even though the iPhone 6S is an older device, it's not so different as far as user experience, as far as the feel of everything. Now, yes, um, I do see some jank. I do see some things happening within iOS on that device. And, and yes, while it is an older piece of hardware, 
Um, this is where a lot of devout iPhone lovers are going to hate me for this, for saying this, is the fact that they always protest the fact that, you know, Apple and the iPhone is so good because they keep their backstock hardware up to date with the latest version of iOS, right? Like my iPhone 6S has um, iOS 13. And um, that kind of comes to bite them in the butt because um, while people could say, oh, well, you can't really compare the Pixel 3 to the iPhone 6S because of the year gap difference in the hardware, the type of processing chip it has and all that other stuff, which is valid points. But then again, the operating system is up to date. And that's what I judge the user experience by. How well does the operating system perform? Now, obviously, it's going to be optimized for the iPhone 6S because it is a older hardware, older processing chip, and all that good stuff. So, the experience is not very different. The look and feel is slightly different just by how iOS does its thing versus Android. One of the age-old things between iOS and Android is that iOS keeps their icons on the home display. Um, yes, you can create folders to declutter it if you want your wallpaper viewable, but if you just keep all the icons on your home display, it's going to block your wallpaper. So um, on Android, it doesn't do that. You can move the icons where you want. You can add widgets to the home screen if you want. Um, it's a free-for-all customization with Android on iOS. It's just one specific way. You want to clear up the clutter, make folders, basically. Um, but as far as like how to navigate through it, being an Android user helped because some of the places where you know you would find things in settings in Android, you'd find them in that similar area in iOS. It may be worded differently. It may be just a tad bit off from where you would find it. But nonetheless, you would still find it. You know, iOS has general. It has um, iCloud settings. It has all these things. And you can find them in the settings itself. And um, obviously, general settings general settings right it's self-explanatory you don't really need webster's dictionary to understand what general means when it comes to settings so um it wasn't really too hard trying to adjust to ios as far as um user experience and, and whatnot just a different view is really what it is and nothing drastically major when it comes to that but there was a couple of things that I had to bring over from Android that I must have because I just couldn't do it. And even then, these versions on iOS are not fully to what I'm used to, okay? Um, one is Gboard. I could not use the Apple keyboard. I don't like the way it is. The fact that the period is hidden with symbols and you have to tap to get that, um, that was frustrating. Now, again, this is just within 24 hours of using it. So maybe there's a way that you can adjust the keyboard to add the period to the main, the main set keyboard. Um, maybe there is a way to do that. Maybe there's not. I will discover it through time. I'm trying to experience iOS from a fresh standpoint without anyone feeding me how to do this, how to do that, because then that takes away the experience of what a real consumer would feel if they stepped into iOS for the first time. Because they may not reach out to YouTube or to Twitter or to Facebook for a seasoned iOS iPhone user to guide them on how to uh, set their iPhone up to their liking, right? They're going to have to discover it for themselves. And that's what I'm doing here. So before you say, oh, well, you could have just done it this way, I don't want that information fed to me. I want to be able to experience this from a fresh standpoint. So 
got rid of the Apple keyboard. So we swapped it out for the Gboard. I don't like it too much because when on Android, I can have my number row on the very top. It's very easy to set up in the Gboard settings. On iOS, I haven't found Gboard settings on the device. I go into settings, I go to keyboard. I chose Gboard as my main keyboard to use, but then it doesn't give me options to open settings for the keyboard for me to adjust the height of the keyboard, to add a number row, to customize it to the way I want to use my keyboard. So I will figure it out, out in time if it allows me to do that. If it doesn't, of course, my full video on my experience with iOS is really going to reflect that. Um, I brought in a lot of my Google apps, which I depend on because I am immersed in the Google ecosystem. So um, Drive, Hangouts, Gmail, um, Gboard, Chrome browser, uh, Google search. A lot of the Google apps I brought over because I use them on Android daily. Uh, Google Photos, I have that on there to back up all the photos that I take. Um, those are all on there. But then, of course, your non-Google applications like Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, uh, Instagram. All those are, are currently on my iPhone as well. Um, and so, yes, uh, that's pretty much like my setup right now with it. Um, Overall, the general user experience right now, it's just what I would expect for a first-time user. And since there is a lot of steps and security and verifications and verifications and verifications and verifications, yes, it is a bit annoying, you know. But at the same time, too, looking at it from a standpoint, that type of security does kind of make me feel like that my phone is super secure. As we're like, yes... Android devices, Google devices, Pixel devices, they have security too. Like if if someone took your Pixel phone and wiped it, when it boots up, they would have to use the last known Gmail that was logged into the phone. Otherwise, they couldn't bypass it. Uh, But even with that being there, you know, you just have this feeling with Google that it's secure enough. And some people don't like that. Whereas with the iPhone, it felt secure, like you're screwed if you don't know the last Apple ID login because the phone will never get past that point, which is why I see a lot of people on OfferUp trying to sell iPhones that are iCloud locked because they can't get past because they probably don't know or they're not the original owners of the phone. Therefore, they can't you know, give you the Apple ID or unlock it in front of you before selling you the phone. So they're selling like iPhone 7s, iPhone 8s for dirt cheap, like $70, $80. And people are actually buying these phones. Like why? you? I mean, the only thing you could do with them is stripping them for parts. Like if you have an iPhone 8 with a cracked display and you buy an iCloud-locked iPhone 8, you could take the display off that one, swap it over and put it on yours. That's broken. I mean, I can see people doing that. But um, for someone who's like, I just want to have an iPhone to use and they, they see an iPhone 8 or an iPhone 7 going for about 70 to 80 bucks, yeah, they're going to jump on it and then realize what iCloud lock means. Um, but yes, security on iOS is proving to be, you know, secure. So I guess that's a good thing. Um, so anyways, that's pretty much it for this this episode. Uh, I am going to keep you guys here on the podcast, all my listeners. I'm going to keep you guys up to date with my experience with using an iPhone. I am recording this podcast with my Pixel 3, so I'm not actually at my rig using my normal rig. Um, I'm just talking into my phone and recording right now. Uh, and I have the iPhone success with me. So um, tomorrow's video on YouTube will reflect the same things that I said today. So if you want to watch that video, feel free to. Um, you don't have to because I pretty much said 
what I'm going to say tomorrow in tonight's audio podcast. So uh, that's it, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out, listening all the way through. Really appreciate that. And appreciate all the supporters out there. Um, let me know. Drop a like to let me know you guys you know enjoyed this episode. And, yeah, uh, follow me on YouTube for uh, tomorrow's video. I will talk to you guys in the next one. And as always, aloha.